0: This episode is brought to you by Halfswording.com Imagine, if you will, training day in, day out, becoming a badass swordsman and then going out into the street and nobody knowing that you do it. I mean, you could wear your club uniform, but it's going to get smelly after a while. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't tell everybody. You can't walk around with a sword on your hip. What is the best option? Halfswording.com is HEMA apparel for hemaists. Let people know that you kick ass with swords with kick-ass Hema apparel. Head over to halfsorting.com now and get 10% off with the promo code BLADES. You can also check out their artwork on Instagram at halfsorting or go to halfsorting.com. <laughs> What's up everybody and welcome to this very special episode of Blades for Days where we're going to talk about swords and sword fighting and the witcher and the future of video games. I'm your host Jordan and joining me today is actor, director and my very good friend Doug Cockle.
1: Hey oh, how you doing?
0: I'm all right how are you? Yeah I'm really good thank you. It's a lovely day. Um, Melissa and I had our five-year anniversary yesterday so Ah, Nice. Yeah. Good. What have you, uh, what have you been up to? Oh, um, stuff.
1: <laughs> uh, I've been recording some games and stuff, but, um, uh, my kind of, my big thing this year has been, uh, uh, I've been doing an MBA master of business administration. Oh, nice. Yeah. I just kinda, um, yeah, <laughs> back in, um, I said, I don't know if you knew. I, I started a new teaching job back in January 2020. And um, in July, they let me know that they were going to discontinue the uh, the role. All right. So I was basically laid off just before the just after the first um, lockdown, just before the second. And uh, so I went back into freelance work, which has been fine, but um, what uh, what happened? When I, it was it was July and I was like, well, you know, what am I going to do with this year? It's going to be a crazy year because, um, you know, the entertainment industry just just bottomed out for obvious reasons. Um, I thought, well, I got to make this year count. So I signed up to do an MBA at Bournemouth University, and I've been doing
0: that. <laughs> That's cool, man. Uh, You told me about the um, uh, you told me about the 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 teaching job when we met last at uh, Dragon Days, the the second Dragon Days that I went to. Um, I didn't know that it had kind of um, sort of fizzled out, but I guess that that's that's the case with a lot of things. It was it was really weird with um, you know with a lot of the kind of side jobs that i've been doing as well because i work in an escape room place uh oh right like as a a, to sort of supplement what i do with the fencing and yeah it was this kind of like this roller coaster ride where they were like hey we'll we've got to let you go after the first lockdown and then they were really busy so they're like do you want to come back and i'm like yeah cool you know saves me looking for a job (laughs) and then they were like we're going back into lockdown, so we're going to pay you furlough. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, that's 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 fine by me. <laughs> um, I was actually talking to a couple of friends of mine about um, uh, the Second Dragon Days, actually, because it was it was uh, it was quite funny because I was bragging to everybody that I met you. Um, like, I, I would say like, oh, who's the most famous person you know? And I wouldn't listen to their answer. I wasn't really bothered. I was just waiting. <laughs> for my turn to talk, so I could say, yeah, well, I know Doug Cockles, so, um, and I kept sort of saying it to the point where I was like, no, nah, yeah, we're really tight, I call him DC, he's, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're good friends and everything, and then in the second Dragon Days, where we met, we met again, I was there with one of my guys, and you came in, and you went, ah, hey, John, how you doing, and i like, I know, I know, <laughs> and my mate turns to me, and he's like, ah, John, so, <laughs>
1: it was one of those moments i have them they're, they're like they're like senior moments but uh, they're they're more like con moments
0: <laughs> yeah so like cuz WitcherCon is coming up isn't it
1: is that yeah i have no idea what that's going to be all about um and yeah, interesting yeah it's coming up july 9th yeah and uh, they, you know, i mean you've you've got to be going to that right well i've I've been asked to be part of it by someone from CD project Red, but mm. I don't know the details yet okay. um yeah it was it's just just a big surprise i I was as surprised as everybody else. I knew nothing mm-hmm. about it. I still know nothing about it
0: that's a good sign you know um <laughs> that everything's running smoothly um yeah, because the the second season's coming out, and um, I was talking to some guys about that. Because I know that you've you've said in like interviews, and you've been quoted as saying that you really enjoyed it. Um, that, you know the the TV series so far. I'm I I like Henry Cavill. I really like Henry Cavill. Henry, if you're listening, he's definitely listening. I'm a big fan of your work, but uh, I don't as Geralt. I just. It just doesn't fit for me. Oh, I, I think know. he does does
1: a, a pretty damn good job, actually, Jordan. Yeah, that's... What, what, what doesn't ring
0: right for you? I just... I think that Geralt in the video games is... I don't know. He's not just a gruff, like, guy. He's not just the... Like, I, I found... Geralt in the TV series a little bit too much of a stereotype, whereas, you know, because he's he's kind of mean. He's he, you know he's kind of mean to um, uh, Jaskier. Um, mm. He's kind of mean to the people uh, you know around. He's he's very cold. Whereas Geralt in the video games, he's he's gruff and he's like you know he's you know he's a, he's, a, he's a tough guy, but he's mm. not. He's he's very warm with the people that he's like connected to i mean the the uh the third game is 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 all about him kind of reconnecting with with siri so uh even though there are kind of like you you see elements of that in the series it just i don't know he he, and it's not you know it's not henry cavill's fault like that's that's the that's the writing that's the that's the directing that they've taken the direction they've taken it in but yeah i just um i don't know do you do you know what i mean
1: yeah, I do kind of, and and it's it's interesting. I've I've been rereading the books lately. I just kind of fell into it because I <clears throat> I didn't have anything else to read, and I I just picked up uh, the Last Wish um, just to fill you know fill some time, and then I just carried on. And I'm I'm on Baptism of Fire now, and um, it's interesting rereading the books. I mean I've read them all before, but rereading them. Uh, Geralt in the books is actually really really uh he's quite a kind soul actually um uh, and and in some ways he's soft as muck you know he's just he's he's a big big squishy bear um so it's really interesting you know in the video games uh, when we did Witcher 1 I kept being told, you know, he has no emotions, no emotions, no emotions at all. <clears throat> and I never really, um, I never really fully believed that. But rereading the books, it's like, no, he's full of emotions. He's got, you know, he's got loads of stuff going on. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the games and the Netflix series have kind of, I don't know, given him, a gruffer exterior than perhaps he actually has in the books
0: yeah yeah I, I i see that i mean the i think that the you know in the games it's got to be difficult like when you've got somebody saying no no emotions no emotions but like to to bring any sort of sense of like tense atmosphere to anything if if you're there and you're just gonna because <clears throat> they're you know like Geralt in the video games when he's sort of making threats or making jokes you know because he's got a very dry sense of humor there's a bit where like he and Yen are kind of having this back and forth and it's just all puns it's all like dad jokes you know Mm -hmm. um and it's like it's that's going to be a challenge right for to have somebody being like yeah don't don't like don't emote but you're a voice actor
1: you know yeah yeah it's kind of counterintuitive yeah yeah because you know, as as an actor, I mean, all all actors. Part of the reason they get into acting is because they want to explore the human condition. You know, they want to they want to play different characters, experiencing different things, um, and uh, you know, a big part of that is the emotional life of the character. And so, you know, to to basically be told, you know don't have any feelings it's like well that's that's anathema to an actor you know I, that that's what i do <laughs> yeah
0: because yeah. i i thought it was quite funny as well um that i was watching a, uh, a an interview that you you had done and you were talking about like in the in the first witcher you were smoking um and so you know it gave you your voice a kind of gravelly uh, quality and then you'd given it up and then you know you were talking about how you're also channeling, uh, channeling uh, a little bit of dirty Harry um, which is which is quite cool and then I was like I don't love Charles dance but Charles dance was just doing Charles dance yeah well, that's what he does you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and you could get away with that I guess but
1: <laughs> I think I think there there are um, when you're someone like Charles dance, yeah, you you just you show up and you just be you, you know what I mean? It's like Vincent Price, you know, bless him. Um, he, you know, he he couldn't be anything but, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, but but you know what he what he was
0: was absolutely wonderful. So yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> so I mean, how did you get into voice acting?
1: Oh, I just fell into it. Uh, literally, um, <clears throat> when I, because uh, I, I, I I trained as a theater actor, really, I had some, some training for, for film and television, but not much. I had no training for voiceovers, none, none at all. Um, when I first moved to the UK, I managed to, um, I managed to kind of wheedle my way into a production of Um, The Glass Menagerie by Tennessee Williams up at York Theatre Royal. And on the back of that, I I, uh, invited a bunch of agents and casting directors to come see the show because I I was new in the UK, American, um, didn't know anybody, knew I needed representation. Um, So out of the, I don't know, 250 odd letters I sent out, like three people got back to me. Because this is back in the day when uh, email was still pretty, uh, it pretty young, really. I mean, people used it, but you know, the way that you had to contact casting directors and agents and people like that was really by, by post. So I sent out all these invites to come see the show. Three people got back to me and one person came to see the show. <clears throat> she ended up being my agent for 16 years. But after the show, uh, she she said to me, I don't know what to do with you. You're American in England. What you know? What you're a good actor. I can see that. You know, but I don't know what to do with you. So, shall we just kind of, you know, see what happens? And I said, Yeah, okay, let's just see what happens. So she called me up about a week later and said, um, uh, There's a a video game casting in Harrogate. I was in New York at the time, and uh, and Harrogate's not far away. Uh, are you interested in going to this casting? And I was like, sure, whatever. In video games—it's cool. I like video games. I didn't even know people were doing voices for video games. Uh, this, but this is 1999, so it's really, really early days of this kind of this kind of stuff. You know, games were only really just starting to to um, to deal with that kind of thing. And um, I went to the casting, and uh, it was my first time ever on mic in that kind of way. <clears throat> so I just did something and ended up bagging the lead role in this video game. Um, the video game was uh, Edge of Chaos, Independence War II, Edge of Chaos. And the character was Cal. And uh, yeah, that, that was it. Um, and the company that I was working for, Outsource Media, uh, they just kept bringing me back for more things and you know eventually it it you know grew into the witcher and um there, there you go it just kind of happened yeah. um but there there was no intention to do it you know it was just one of those things you know when i talk to, to young actors today i always say look you know don't it's great to have a plan. If you know that there's a particular part of the industry that you wanna work in, great, go for it. But be open to other opportunities, other, other ideas, because you just don't know what might come your way. Now, you know, when I was training to be an actor, I, was, I, I never even thought of video game voice acting as a career path, because it largely didn't exist. Um, but turns out that's what I've spent the majority of my career doing. So, and if I'd just gone ah poo poo, I don't want to do video game voiceovers. That's just that's silly work. Um, And a lot of people back then uh, actually did kind of feel that way. So. So that's how I got into video game voice acting.
0: It's um, it's, I think you'd be surprised at like how that sort of changed, because when I was teaching out in Italy, one of the things that I'd ask my students, you know, my younger students is like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And a surprising amount of them would say, I want to be a voice actor, like a lot of them. Um, and I mean, it might be different because, you know, they were in Italy. And so if a video game comes out, you know, um, and they have to translate it into the, the you know, the, the language uh, that, you know, the, the the national language so that people can play it. Um then obviously there's a, there's going to be a call for, you know, voice actors to sort of do the, um you know, do the, the. Uh... Oh, localization. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And um, yeah, but like a load of them wanted to do it, you know? Um, so I think it's uh, definitely going to be a sort of like a, like a much bigger industry in the future because you've got like quite quite big names um, who are going into like, who are doing like voice acting stuff as well. Um, yeah. Cause it's not just video games. It's, you know, animation. And
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a whole world of things out there. If you really think about it, I, you know, if you don't think about it, you, you don't even notice really that all of us are surrounded all the time by people who are doing, uh, voiceover of one kind or another you know uh, advertisements on the radio advertisements on tv um you know the the narration for nature documentaries or or whatever it is you know the the continuity people on television next up you know stay tuned for scooby-doo on <laughs> nickelodeon yeah you know all that kind of stuff. It's all actors, you know. So there, yeah, there's a lot of lot of stuff, lot lot of work out there. Um, unfortunately, it's um it's an area of work that, as you've mentioned, has become quite um, popular. And so now the, the the market is pretty much saturated. It's uh, there. There are so many people out there trying to be voice actors. Some of them succeeding. Some of them really not some of them kind of doing it part time some of them kind of just dipping their toes in it but because technology has changed and you know the price of technology you can buy a decent microphone and um and a laptop and get yourself all set up to do professional level voiceovers for well well under 1000 pounds so you know for between 500 and 800 pounds you can get yourself a basic setup and call yourself a voice actor and start putting yourself out there and uh and that's great and everything but you know a lot of these people um wanting to be voice actors they get into it and they don't really know the business so they'll do like a national commercial for 20 quid you know um and 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 the pros are going you should have added about three zeros onto that you know it's you should be getting a lot more money for that but you just don't have a clue because anything any money is good money um because you just want to call yourself a professional voiceover actor yeah so it's kind yeah. of an interesting it's a bit like the wild west it's a bit crazy out there um yeah because there's a website I, I don't know jordan do you know about um uh what's it called F- um fiverr I think it's called Fiverr.com. But it's one of those websites where basically they say, um, do you need a voiceover? Come to Fiverr.com and, you know, put your ad out and find yourself a voiceover, a voice actor. Um, But it's not just for voice actors, it's for anything. You know, you need a copywriter? You need a painter? Do you need need someone to fix your kitchen sink? You know, whatever it is. (laughs) But it's called Fiverr. And I think that tells you a lot about, you know, what those people are charging.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, so it's kind of like a Tinder for creative types
1: or it's it's a Tinder for anything, anything at all. <laughs> um I mean I haven't really messed around with it very much. I've had a look at it because when I when I first became aware of it, I was like, okay, I got I gotta check this out because I just gotta see what it's all about. Yeah. Um, there's lots of sites like it though, you know, it's just kind of a, if you, it's, it's a bit like Etsy, um, yeah. Etsy makes more sense though. You know, you, you, you produce something, you're an artist or you're, you know, whatever, and you have a product to sell and you can go on Etsy and you can sell your product. Fiverr is exactly the same. Um, uh, but it's a, a service led, uh, kind of website. So it's, you know, you know, the, the people on there are selling services, voiceovers, uh, graphic design um y- you know somebody who needs something done
0: yeah yeah i i mean it it is one of those things where you're right like any money is good money i you know when i went to university i um uh i did like graphic design and all of this sort of stuff and when you're first starting out and you're trying to get you know any any kind of paying gig, you're trying to get your work out there and stuff. People will take advantage of that, you know. A lot of the time, they'll be like, "Oh, okay, you know, how about you do this, and you know, you get the credit for it." And it's like, Mm. "Yeah, but I can't really eat credit, can I?" Yeah. (laughs) Um, And And uh, to a
1: certain extent, that's fair enough, you know, because you do need experience. So, as a young person, or not even necessarily a young person, a a, a person young in their in their career path. you know, you need you need cred you need, you need something to put on your resume, on your CV. So, you know, sometimes you do things um, for less than you would normally do them, or for free, just to get the experience and you know have, have the the CV credits. But you know, at some point, you, you have to you have to step up and say you know you know actually, I, as you so rightfully mentioned I you know kind of need some I need some grog
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I've had it you know I've had it even since I've started the um uh the fencing school since I've started the academy um because you know I was trying to get my name out there so I went to uh like Groupon I don't know if you 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 know what is it uh Groupon it's oh, Groupon yeah 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 um, so I went to Groupon, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I could uh, work something with this because a friend of mine had sort of uh, it said, oh, yeah, you know, go through Groupon, you'll get your name out there. It's 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 fine. And I spoke to them, and uh, they were like, uh, yeah, we'll we'll advertise your stuff on our platform, and you keep a generous fifteen percent of of all the money that you earn. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you're serious? Allow me to laugh harder. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, fifteen percent. Yeah, that's terrible. Is I that, know, right? I was it? like, or I could just do it myself and keep one hundred percent. But since I've called them up, they call me up like every uh, every year. I get a, oh, I'm your new agent. I'm taking over your account, and I'm like, no, nope. <laughs> I'm like, just uh, I don't think I signed up for this. You could you can uh, go ahead and cancel that, but um yeah i you know it's it it's fine and like i agree you you know you do the jobs you know you do the jobs that you're given and and then and and sometimes it can surprise you like you know when you were talking about sort of getting into voice acting for the first time and uh you you said that was in 1999 your first voice acting job when did rain of fire come out because like i said to you before as a teenager that was one of my favorite films and (laughs) I watched it again the other day because I was going to ask you, right, I had a question lined up for you, which was, what's it like to see yourself die on screen, but then your character in Reign of Fire doesn't die on screen, so I'm like, ooh, fan theory, he's still alive.
1: He survives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he's out for revenge against Christian Bale for leaving him for dead. I was going to say Matthew McConaughey, because, like, technically it was Matthew McConaughey's character's fault, but he got eaten by a dragon. Spoilers for this for this movie, by the way. Well, he I didn't see. really get eaten
1: by a dragon. He kind of leapt into its mouth,
0: did he? <laughs> yeah, he did. The trailer, Ooh, sorry, sorry excuse really... me. Oh, yeah. colorful language. That's eh? <laughs> oh, fine. I, I swear on this all the time. It was great. But, like, yeah, in the trailer, it's really like, you know, he's jumping and there's the axe. And then when I watched the film as a kid, I was like, "Ah, oh, that's badass." And then I watched it again as an adult and I'm like, "What a moron." Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah, I don't I don't I don't
1: remember exactly when that came out. I think I think Reign of Fire came out in around 2001
0: or 2002. Something like that. Yeah. I think it was 2001, but it's set in 2020, which is, like, for the most part, it's set in 2020, which is, like, really apt. Um, yeah. Except except we we got a
1: pandemic instead of dragons.
0: I know, dragons would be, like, I'd be all right with dragons, because, uh, you know, I'm not saying I fancy my chances or anything, but it'd be a little bit more entertaining, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because I remember we talked about that, and you're like the the tech guy. You're the. Uh...
1: I'm yeah. I'm Matthew McConaughey's character's uh, communications officer. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. You know, it's a citizen army kind of thing. So, you know, I, I can call myself a communications officer, but I'm really just I'm the guy who runs the radio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know when you watch films like that, because you're in uh, Captain America as well. You have uh, a scene where you're a doctor, and you're like, uh, sort of Chris Evans is in the is in the room because he's he's not he's like skinny Chris Evans before he had the uh, the Chris Evans serum, you know, and uh, yeah. to, into super Chris Evans. Um, yeah. So when you're watching films like that, and you have those scenes, does it throw you out? Uh, no, it,
1: it's, um, it's weird though. It's, it's weird. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people when they, if you hear a recording of your voice, you, you know, that feeling you know, almost everybody does it. They go, do I, do I sound like that? You know what I mean? And, and it's so watching a film that I'm in sometimes is a bit like that where I just kind of go, well, really? did I, wow. Oh, how many chins do I have there? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You you, you kind of you watch yourself and you judge yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, and it's it's kind of difficult, I think, to to step back and um, watch your performance objectively. Uh, yeah. And and a lot of performers can't do it. You know, then and, and they they learn that they just won't watch the rushes. They won't they won't watch. I mean, who is it? Somebody, somebody big. Somebody somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio or somebody. Um, said it wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio but it was somebody like that basically said I never watch films I'm in I never watch my films
0: oh is it Paul Bettany I don't know yeah I think I think he said something like that he's never watched any film that he's in or a series that he's in um, because I think he he was asked about it at the Marvel at the you know the Marvel um, award uh, well uh, like a, a, a red carpet event or, or, or something mm. like that to do with Marvel and yeah do you know what I hadn't thought about it until now but yeah, that must be so weird actually to see yourself doing that. Cause like you, you know, I, I watch myself on like any YouTube stuff that we put up um, and I'm like, what is that on my face? It's huge. Oh, it's my nose. There it is. <laughs> um, like, you know, and I do the editing for the, uh, for the podcast, obviously. And I'm listening to myself back because I have like, um, I have a routine. I'll listen you know, I'll listen back to this recording while I'm doing the dishes, um, right. so I can get to things. And then I'll like, you know, and I'll cut out any any sort of like, um, sort of silence or or, or whatever. And um, yeah, I listen to my voice, and I'm like, I fucking hate the sound of my voice. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I imagine that's something you have to get over pretty quickly if you if you want to be a voice actor.
1: Well, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. I've never really thought about it, to be honest, um, or, or not properly thought about it. Um, my experience is that I rarely have to listen to myself. Um, I'm I'm in front of the mic and I'm doing my thing. And the director, usually there's a director, sometimes there isn't, sometimes I'm, it's just me uh, doing my thing making my own judgments. But quite often, it's the director who will, who will, you know, suggest shifts in different directions and things like that. And we don't go back and listen back to what I've done. Um, we just move forward. Mm. But there are occasions when we do go back and listen to something I've done. And and usually, if, if it's something like The Witcher, where you're, you know, you're recording as my wife's phone, going crazy hang on a sec you're gonna to have to edit this out yeah, that's fine that's cool i'll leave it in it's sorry that's, yeah, it's absolutely fine the nature
0: of working from home and stuff you know oh yeah yeah i get that so yeah we were talking about um when you listen back
1: you know, yeah yeah well when you're doing something like the witcher um you know witcher 3 i think the the main dialogue we recorded over about two years, not not constantly. You know, it'd be two or three days a week for three or four weeks, and then nothing for three or four weeks, and then, you know, a spate of recording again. Um, so at the beginning of each session, uh, they, would, they would play back some of my earlier performance so that I could kind of remind myself where we were going with the voice. And, things like that so um yeah you hear yourself played back in those contexts quite often uh but it's a it's, it's a i think i think that that's easier in some ways because what you're doing you're not listening to judge it you're listening to copy it so you're listening to go right where was i what, what was i doing uh and then you know you, you listen to the to the playback and you immediately reproduce the line, just to try to get yourself back into the zone. So it's, it's, I suppose what I'm saying is it's its more like a, it's not a sit down and consider what you're doing. It's a, right, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. And I, I need to reproduce that. Um, the word that comes to mind is it's, it's, it's more of a a professional context. Whereas if you're sitting in your living room and you watch a film that you're in, uh, the only purpose is to watch the film really. Um, and suddenly you crop up in the film and then you may, or you may not end up criticizing yourself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I um I have a student, Lloyd. Shout out to Lloyd. Uh, I think he listens. To- hey, Lloyd. Hey. <laughs> and um, yeah, I started watching a series, but but he's in. Um, he's he he's only in it for like a moment. But I literally watched this uh, series one, and then he's in series two, just so I could see the scene that he's in um and I, I said i'm really annoyed with you because like i'm his, his instructor i was like i'm really annoyed with you you got taken out like that man right you didn't even throw a punch right so but we were watching it and it was actually um a really compelling uh tv series so i got into it and we were watching it melissa and i and it and then all of a sudden lloyd walks around the corner with a gun and i'm like wait what and yeah it, it was like kind of like that moment where i was like oh yeah that's why we were watching this but also it did sort of throw me out a little bit um yeah uh, yeah. yeah um you know not because not because uh, of of like uh, lloyd's acting or anything he he looked genuinely surprised you know so he he definitely <laughs> nailed that that see it was just because it was Lloyd and I know Lloyd so
1: yeah, yeah it's a funny thing isn't it and and um uh, I saw somebody oh who was it uh, um oh I can't remember who it was now oh, such a shame uh, it, it it's an actor an actress <clears throat> who plays this specific character oh that's who it is that's who it is it's um um no I'm gonna forget her name uh <laughs> myla kunis yeah okay yeah i know yeah you know who i'm talking about and um she plays meg in family guy the animated (laughs) series yeah uh, meg the daughter and uh she was being interviewed by graham norton i think it was and um she said uh she's he was asking her something about you know you know do you get hassled on the street and she said yeah but in the weirdest way um she says she said i'll be walking down the street and just some random person will see me and they'll go shut up meg <laughs> <laughs> um but i just thought that was really funny because the you know the the lines between reality and and what we see in t- on television or in a video game or whatever it is can become kind of weirdly blurred
0: you know like your experience with lloyd yeah yeah it's it's really weird that you know, I hear like I, I hear about actors getting hate mail for things that their characters have done. Hmm. Um, that that sucks. Uh, you know, the the kid who plays um, uh, Joffrey in Game of Thrones has apparently quit acting because he got so <laughs> much hate mail for it. And I'm like, is that real? Do people like do, do people can people not actually, um, you know, distinguish between those two things. But I like, it. you know, it affects your mood so much. Like I've, you know, I played a video game, uh, I think it was earlier this year. It was The Last of Us 2. I don't know if if you've heard of it. Uh, I have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I won't give any spoilers, but something happens in it. And I literally, for about a week, I walked around as though there was a rock in my stomach. And in fact, um, a friend of mine, Chris, uh, shout out to Chris, yeah Chris. <laughs> he started playing uh the Witcher on my recommendation right I was like you need to put like it took me about two and a half years to complete the Witcher for the first time because I was enjoying it so much it was like i'm um, i'm I'm getting into this right and i I play it for like you know uh an hour uh i did i did a lot of stuff but anyway um he he played it and then he didn't realize that there were multiple endings and he got the bad ending. He got the super bad ending, and he, he like, he told me about it. And he was like, "What the fuck was that?" Because like, yeah. it's a savage ending. Um, I think that he was like a little bit put out by it. Um, and, uh,
1: yeah, I don't even know what you have to do to get that ending. You must have to just be a dick through the whole game. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you know you have to be mean to siri you have to try to sleep with tris and yen um i don't know you know yeah yeah you you gotta got have made some bad choices to get that ending i
0: think <laughs> yeah you, you you've got to have made some uh some wrong choices along the way. he was he was so proud, out he didn't realize it's like Oh, oh, there's a bad ending? I'm like, yeah, man, I don't even know how you did that. Um because <laughs> it's quite hard to do as well. Uh, and I don't know if you've I don't know if you've like if you've uh if you've played it to get the bad ending or if you've youtubed it because um, or, or or if you've just seen if it, it's the bad ending I'm thinking of where Geralt's in a shack and then
1: you know there's yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to give anything yeah, away. Yeah. But um
0: yeah i've seen it yes it's it's so rough i've yeah um i youtubed it just to see how bad it was because he was talking about it and i was like i didn't even like i i don't know like so we watched it and i mean that's one of the things that has got to be like a challenge i suppose is that you have a microphone you're not looking someone in the eye you're not in the room you know um and then trying to sort of convey this emotion at that, like, how how do you, do you like project somebody being there um, when you're reading the lines or? Yeah, yeah, you do kind of,
1: Um, it's, it's a different, it's a different thing, different experience. Um, And people often ask, you know, what, what's the difference between, acting on stage or on screen and acting for a video game and the answer i i often give and i've changed it recently but I, the, the answer i often give is um i feel like i have to use my imagination in, in a slightly different way um is where you know on 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 stage or on screen you typically have a costume that helps you kind of feel the character. You have a location or you have a set that you can interact with that helps you feel the character. You have other actors who you're usually interacting with. Sometimes on screen. The other actor isn't there and you have to pretend they're there, but more often than not, they're there. Uh, so you have something to respond to. You have somebody to work off of, uh, whereas for voice acting for video games, unless you're doing, performance capture, which is more and more common, but still, you know, less common than just being in a booth on your own. Um, In voice acting, you're alone in a sound booth, and you've got an engineer and a director on the other side of a a double paned glass window. And um, you just have to produce. Um, So, yeah, you do kind of have to use your imagination differently. You, you you have to imagine those people there. You have to imagine that costume. You ha- um, not, not even a costume. You, you have to imagine yourself as the character in that place and time trying to achieve whatever they're trying to achieve. So. Yeah, I suppose you do. Yeah, yeah you, you do kind of have to engage your imagination uh, very strongly. Um, And if you don't, you can hear it. It's like I always say, um, you know, when you're talking on the phone with someone and you can hear if that person is smiling.
0: Yeah, you can hear a
1: smile. Yeah. So it's the same thing with voice acting. I think one of the real challenges of it, and this is one of the things I love about it is as an as an audience member, you can distinguish either consciously or unconsciously whether someone sounds genuine and i don't know i'm just saying this off the top of my head here i think in the theater there's a there's a there's a certain amount of um you know there are tricks you can play and there you know you have to be larger than life because of the space or depending on the space of course but you know but you're finding the genuineness in that environment and so what we do as actors is we're always trying to find Uh, Why? It's truthfulness, really, not genuineness, although genuineness is maybe a better word for it in some ways. But truthfulness. um, there's, There's a definition of acting I really like, and it's that acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. If your character in whatever you're performing in can fly, then part of their truth is that they can fly. So it's not about being factual or truthful in terms of how the world as we know it works. It's about the character's truth. And truth is always subjective. You know, your, your truth is different from my truth. We would both potentially experience this, the exact same event in a different way and have different memories and have, have a different experience of an event. So yeah, the, the challenge as an actor is to find, find a truth for the character and project that um and the audience can often hear if you're not getting that if you're if you're not getting there so i sorry i'm kind of going off on a weird tangent there well, I, uh,
0: I think it's incredibly deep actually because it it it's um i mean it is that like you know our experiences make us and the you know this is this is going to be true of actors as well because like um, a lot of people you know a lot of people talk about like oh uh, um characters getting into roles by doing weird weird shit on uh, like backstage or whatever like the mm. uh, jareds jared leto leto however you say it on the back uh, like you know uh, uh you know backstage on uh suicide squad he's like doing weird stuff he's like oh i'm the joker but in real life kind of thing and it's like yeah cool but like I'd always I'd always seen that as somebody, you know, as an actor going, okay, I'm gonna tap into something real and I'm going to, you know, and I might be way off base here, but like I go onto the stage, I'm I'm tapping into something real, and then I'm taking that on stage. Rather than what he was doing, which was making like going around being like, ah, shenanigans, and it's like, but that's that's like that's surface level, you know what I mean? Um hmm. and there's <clears throat> in martial arts you kind of get it as well a little bit i think like so you know there, there have been studies into how hard people train when they're out of uniform versus how hard people train in uniform and that's mm. one of the things that you know you were saying like when you're in costume and you're on stage it's easier to become that character because you have that kind of um semi semiotic uh, feedback loop you know mm. like, I'm wearing this i can feel Uh, I can feel the weight of what I'm wearing or, you know, uh, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a sword at your hip, you feel that and that kind of um, that helps inform you. And like, Mm. it's like, if I went to the gym and I'm wearing a three piece suit, I'm not going to work out as hard as if I was wearing my gym clothes. No, of course not. Yeah. And and so, yeah, there's, um, there's sort of an element of that to it in, in, just, I think you know, both inside and outside of acting, uh, you're not necessarily uh, you're not necessarily taking on a role when you put on a gi or when you put on you know a martial arts uniform or anything like that. But you kind of are at the same time, I suppose. Yeah, you absolutely are. I, I think it's one of those um,
1: it's one of those things. I, I mean, I always I often describe acting to to students when I teach. <clears throat> I often say, you know, you can't I, I, I often say, it, it, it's such a funny thing to say in some ways, but I say, so um, are any of you in here today the Queen of England? And of course they all say no, because there aren't. And I say, okay, great. So, um, so you, you aren't the Queen of England um you will never be the queen of England could you however behave as if you were the queen of England and, oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know you do that. even the guys say that you know <laughs> um so I, acting is one of those as if kind of things we we behave as if we are someone else and I think that applies to other things in life as well not not just to actors you know musicians Musi- musician um as soon as they take that instrument into their hands, they change um, the way they hold their body, the way the way they start to think, the way they move, the way they interact with the instrument. Um, it changes who they are. I think uh, in martial arts, it's, it's exactly the same thing. You know, you you put on the gi or whatever, dobok uh, or you know. Um, I was trying to remember what it's called in uh, in aikido but i can't remember um but uh, you know you put on that uniform and you feel the role you feel the i mean that's why we have uniforms that's why the police wear uniforms that's why soldiers wear uniforms that's why nurses wear uniforms because there's something about putting on a uniform that helps you kind of step into the role of i am now nurse medley you know what I mean? I mean you're always nurse medley you know but you know what i mean you you take off the uniform and it's it's like saying okay um i'm now going to be not so much that role that's still part of me but i'm going to be mom yeah or yeah. Or, or dad yeah uh,
0: you know what i mean I, it's, it's yeah. a weird one yeah. absolutely no because it, it you know it's the same like when i'm in When I'm in my classroom uh, and I'm teaching my students, and they ask me a question like, "Why is this technique not working?" I'll go over and you know I'll be like, "Okay, you need to do this, this, and this." Okay, Uh, whatever, right? Um, And most of the time, I'll be able to help them out. You know, sometimes it's a case of like I've got an injured shoulder, and I'm like, "Okay, well, we'll we'll have to work on that." But for the most part, I can go over and be really assertive and go, "Okay, this is what you need to do." If I'm like at the beach, and this happens, like I'm out with students, and I feel like I'm letting them down a little bit because I'll go out with students and we'll hang out at the park, or we we're out at the park recently, and somebody will turn and ask me a question about like fencing or martial arts or whatever. And I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. Like <laughs> they asked me something like, oh, I don't, you uh, know, whatever. <laughs> I'm off duty. Do you see do you <laughs> see a uniform here? <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, ah. Oh i don't I really have no idea, so yeah, there's <laughs> definitely definitely an element of that to it um,
1: so. <laughs> oh man it's yeah it's 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 great i've done I've done quite a few martial arts in my in my time um, and I love putting on the uniforms. It's just just something about putting on a gi, you know what I mean it's um it just feels good um. Oh, it, it, um you know I, I was thinking about this earlier. I can't remember what we were talking about, but have you heard of the um the TV series Conquest?
0: I've heard of it. I haven't watched
1: it. History Channel. Um uh, and I think it was on uh, another channel in the US as well. Conquest. Uh, it, I I I performed in that, but um uh, you know given the you know the nature of what you do and stuff, you you might be interested. In it. It's all about um arms, armor, and fighting throughout the ages. Um and uh a bunch of the episodes that I was in, um it's it's you know it, full plate armor, you know, and, and and uh you know sword fighting archery uh, maces all kinds of cool stuff and it's uh, hosted by Peter Woodward uh Edward Woodward's son Peter has his own career um and uh you know he talks about the history of warfare and um armor and and uh various weapons and things like that it's a cool series worth checking out
0: yeah definitely will because i was like i was like oh I'm, i you know because i wanted to put together questions for you um and we ended up melissa and i ended up watching a lot of the the things that you're in and conquest was on the list i think it was why I've, I've heard of it and we didn't get around to that and that sounds perfect for this i'm a little annoyed that we didn't get onto it um (laughs) we watched uh uh, criminal which you were in as well Uh, oh yeah
1: yeah i have a a small (laughs) small role in that yeah
0: yeah um i mean with martial arts like because i've got i've got a few students who want to get into acting um i had one guy ah he was hilarious He, he didn't he, he hasn't come back like he came for a month and then he didn't come back I don't think it was for him and that's fine um and I think it's because I told him not to make as much noise when he was like when he was like fighting because everybody else were just like breathing you know we're, we're sort of fencing going through whatever he was like ha 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 <laughs> and I'm like all right you know having fun that's great but uh you're kind of telegraphing a little bit you know um and, and
1: I love that you just used the word telegraphing. It's a uh, it, it it's a, a phrase I'm well acquainted with. And we use it in acting a lot. Um it's just interesting that you're using it as well. Yeah, cuz I know exactly what you mean. It's it, it it's when you are consciously or un- unconsciously um announcing what you're about to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um and it, you're you're trying to well I mean what we're trying to do is reduce that obviously because like you know it's it's a common thing where people like people who are new will double chamber so you know they'll pull the sword back in order to uh in order to make a strike and it's like well no because if the sword's there anyway just just cut through like the sword is mm. um you know it, it's an amplifier like so if i try to cut through somebody with the edge of my hand you know that's going to take me all day i'm going to be like hacking away and probably you know but because the you know because the edge of the sword is there it's just yeah anyway sorry i could talk about that all day but <laughs> um
1: we're it all- is interesting though it, it because what you're talking about is the difference between um uh, like stage combat i've done a lot of stage combat um stage combat or 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 something like that and real fighting and real fighting is very very different because in in stage combat because you're doing it for an audience you, there is a certain amount of telegraphing that you need to do because you need audience to follow the story of the fight um but in real fighting if you if you you don't want to tell the story of the fight you just want to win you want to walk away alive you know so so, you know the, the the less telegraphing you do the more chance you have of actually surviving the
0: fight yeah yeah absolutely and it's it's strange because there's there has to be like a good balance because I've seen. I don't know what it is, but like now and again, I'll watch a fight, and I'm like, "That's that's that's bad, man." And like I, I've said before on on this podcast, and and you know, um, to to other people that I've I've chatted to, like I love Highlander, um, you know, and the the sword fighting in that is. Oh, Henry Cavill, he's going to be the new Highlander, apparently. Is he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like. Okay, fair enough. Like, great. like great. Maybe get Keanu Reeves, considering he is actually an immortal. Like, he's not; he doesn't seem to be aging. But um, yeah. Anyway, the, um, like yeah. So I like these films, but I don't know what it is where like something will throw me right out of a out, out of a, a a film, even when I'm trying to switch it off. And I think it's because there's like. I think it's about like intention maybe, because even if you are telegraphing and you could be like, you know, sometimes I get, you know, I might get a student who's getting frustrated. And so they're at, their, their movements are getting bigger, you know? Um, and, and I can tell that they're, they're, you know, that they're getting angry or whatever. And so that's like, if you've got a character in a film, who's like, you know, quite angry or desperate or untrained or whatever. And so they're doing these big movements that's not a problem for me it's when they're just not even aiming for like the, the person i guess mm-hmm. or or something like that and i don't know what it is where you get something that's really tight like the the choreography in john wick um you know you get the sword fight at the end of rob roy with uh, liam neeson and um, mm-hmm. uh, tim roth and that's really cool and tight and and then and then you get other other stuff that just just throws me right out and i don't know i like I, I wouldn't know how to fix it you know yeah you
1: know, i think you uh, yeah well, you, you you mentioned intention and i think that's that's part of it I, it's it's uh, i hate when i watch a fight um you know, a, a fictional fight, not a real fight. Real fights are messy and scrappy and ugly. But uh, when I watch a a fight and on a television series or 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 whatever, and I don't believe the intentions of the characters because the movements that they're making, because what, what the, the actions they're taking don't seem to have legitimate purpose. Um i've directed a number of fights um, and i'm always much more interested in what happens before the first blow is struck than what actually happens during the fight itself because when when you're directing a fight this is my experience my my experience my opinion um when you're directing a fight there has to be a reason why that first blow is struck, um, whether it's a push, or whether it's a punch, or whether it's a s- s- sword strike, or whatever it is. Um, it's the threat that that the threat of the possibility of violence that's interesting. Once the first blow is struck, the tension is released. It's the, the buildup of the tension that is dramatic is is this making sense um it makes sense to me i'm trying, (laughs) trying to think through this it's so i would always work for ages on on the the moments leading up to the first blow because that's where the drama is that's where the story really is and then the fight is a fight and there's another story there but it's you know that's almost a separate thing in some ways and i always hate it when fights just erupt out of not enough tension yeah um, and then quite often those fights are also the, the fights where you know the, the the sword strike is deliberately and obviously deliberately um offline so yeah. Yeah. you know it, it was never gonna hit the guy in the head it was never gonna poke him in the belly because it was three feet to the side you yeah. know all, I, I hate that stuff I hate that stuff I hate it when I, I hate watching that and I hate when I see it and um yeah i suppose that's all i have to say on that <laughs> that's all i got to say
0: about that <laughs> No, i know exactly what you mean i'm just gonna sorry i'm just gonna close the windows i drilling next door so <clears throat> no i know what you mean because um you know one of the things that i think good martial arts uh teachers teach is that part of the reason that you're learning a martial art is not you know not so you're going out and looking for trouble uh, so you can defend yourself most of that defense is uh you know most of that that um defense is like uh for, you know first of all observation like looking around and making sure that you're okay and the second part of it is de-escalation so if somebody is giving you like if, if somebody's getting in your face or whatever um you, you're trying to take it down and calm that situation down sort of thing and like so in real life once that first punch or or a kick or whatever is thrown um then there's no going back after that Mm. that, that's you know you've stepped across that threshold and you're both going to try and hurt each other i'm talking about like a street fight now i'm not talking about like
1: Mm.
0: um in the octagon or or in a boxing ring or whatever because that's why you're there there's no as much as they try to manufacture story you know it's like oh this time it's personal and you know all that sort of stuff um it's it's just two professionals who are good at punching each other in the face and being punched in the face like usually um whereas like yeah street fights um like you said they are a lot messier um there's uh you know it's usually and it's it's usually in you know in my personal experience two people who don't know how to fight you know one's throwing these like slaps another one's trying to pull the other's shirt over their head um just you know and it's just like oh this is embarrassing for everybody involved isn't it yeah
1: yeah well it's juvenile (laughs) isn't it it's just juvenile in the end yeah yeah and like you say that's that's why you know uh i mean I mean, people get into martial arts for all kinds of reasons, you know, cause they, cause they like Bruce Lee or, yeah. you know, they, they want to fight like John wick or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I actually, I have a black belt in Taekwondo and, and um, going through that journey, um, was was fascinating it was it was wonderful but it was one of those kind of things where i kind of knew this anyways but it going through that journey made me made me really understand it um the idea that achieving a black belt it's 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 an achievement but all it really means is that now you can begin to really look at the art of what you've been learning. Um, you've been learning moves. You've been learning kata. You've been learning pumse. You've been learning, you know, whatever you want to call it. You've been learning a dance, um, and you've now proven that you know how to make how to dance certain steps. Um, the rest of your martial arts, or you know, you know the you've crossed the line and now now the line is to discover the art within the dance the 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 beauty of the form the, the 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 meaning the intention um so i don't know what i'm trying to say i suppose i suppose it's that you know people do martial arts for different reasons most people who do achieve a black belt they i think they pretty much uni- universally have come to a realization
0: that they're only just starting yeah yeah 100 and i think that's that's it you go in thinking that the black belt is like the tippity top and then yeah no that's just the uh that's just the like the the doorway to you know the rest of it and i it's funny because i was talking to um my uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu coach, and we were talking about um, like pattern. Uh, Basically, you know, you learn techniques and this has to be true. I I, I imagine this is true across the board for everything like martial arts, fencing, dancing like this has to be the case with all of it. Um, And we were talking about how you get to a certain point where you don't you don't think, oh, he's in this position. Or you know she's in that position, so I will do X or y technique. You just start to feel it, and so mm-hmm. you you know you feel that movement and you respond without thinking anymore and again, that's like that's Bruce Lee you know talking about like how how you how mastery becomes part of who you are um and I guess you know it would be the same for that da- I can't dance right? I am a terrible, terrible dancer uh, I. You know i was doing talking about my uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu coach we were doing like uh foot sweeps and we were basically sidestepping and then trying to do foot sweeps on each other to do like takedowns and i think i made him a little bit uncomfortable because i was like oh this is this is how my wife taught me how to do the waltz <laughs> And he's like, yeah cool but we're doing a we're doing a tough manly thing here and i'm like yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, um, and the problem was melissa did teach me how to dance my wife did teach me how to dance the waltz but we didn't do it to music, so we were just doing the footsteps, you know, the, the steps and everything. So when when we had our first dance at the wedding, she was going way faster because she was dancing to this this song, um, and she was just stepping all over my feet, and it was the same as like foot traffic, and I was like stepping on her feet, and I was like, oh, this is really this is embarrassing. So, yeah, I, I could... you, you didn't take her down though, did you? i thought about it i was like if i take <laughs> it down i can make it look on purpose i can make it look like i did this so, like this is this is how i roll in uh, in knowledge um so, uh, no i didn't um yeah uh i basically i said to uh i said to um, some friends of mine i was like look 10 seconds into the first dance just everybody come in because i i all eyes on me i thought it would be weird and it was so yeah um can't dance still can't. i don't i don't think uh marianne and i even did a first dance
1: really yeah we we, we didn't have a dj or anything like that so I, I don't to be honest i don't remember people dancing at our wedding There was a lot of singing
0: oh that's cool yeah yeah,
1: we we kind of all ended up sitting around a a, a big table. We 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 had the reception in my uh, in Marianne's parents' garden. Actually, it's a beautiful garden. It's a really lovely uh, walled garden kind of space, and um, we had the reception there. And we uh, kind of late into the night, we had uh, everybody kind of gathered around this one particular table at the back of the garden, and uh, we were just singing a cappella, you know. Random songs: Neil Diamond, John Denver, you know, just stuff.
0: <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, um, it's uh, like we we had our wedding at a manor house. Um, yeah, there was dancing. We had a Kaylee, like a like a. Ah, like, I love Kayleys. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. That was all right because um, it, it was just spinning. We just span, like we just spun each other around um the, the guy leading the kaylee because i i we had obviously we had loads of swords at uh at uh, our wedding as well and i was wearing a sword and melissa was wearing a sword as part of her wedding dress as well um and all my friends were, and we started doing the and the guy was like yeah guys you are gonna have to take the swords off and i'm like why and he's like because because you're gonna be spinning around a lot and like you're gonna be it, like it's it's probably a recipe for disaster so like you know, maybe maybe, to, maybe to off. <laughs> did you take them off, or did you uh, did you go ahead and no, because I didn't want like I didn't want eighty, you like I didn't want to take somebody to eighty, so I was like, all right, cool. I took them off. I took it off, but I had like a bit of a strop as well. Like I was like, fine, it's my wedding. I'm being told what to do. at My bloody wedding, but <laughs> um, but yeah, that was you know that was really uh, that was cool. We came back from um, came back from Italy uh, to do that. Um, because we were living out there at the time it was, it's funny actually because um, the we came back it was like i said it was our five-year anniversary yesterday and it's what is it is it june it's june now right june yeah yeah okay so we got married in june 15th um, today yeah yeah there we go so it was 14th the 14th of june we got married i remember i remember. <laughs> Wow, bloody... Melissa, he doesn't remember. Oh, she knows this. I like, I outed myself in front of what's my... her. What's her birthday, Jordan? What's Melissa's birthday? Don't do this to me, Doug. Okay. <laughs> I know it's in February. I I know it's one of the days. De- Look, my, my plan is always. Uh, it's the same with my mom. I can't remember. Like, I, to be fair, right. So, years ago, um, we were uh i was hanging out at a mate's house and i woke up and it was my birthday Melissa's gone my mate's gone they've gone for a stroll i'm like oh, okay cool so you know i sat down at the the kitchen table i wait for them to come back no cards no presents like yeah, all right this is fine you know whatever anyway they came in um and they're just sort of chuckling you know oh yeah we had a nice stroll whatever i'm like uh huh mm-hmm, yeah uh, anyway, it gets to about midday, and eventually Melissa goes, right, what the fuck is wrong with you? You've been in a mood all goddamn day, and it's what is going on? And I went, well, I'll tell you what's wrong. It's my birthday, and neither one of you remembered, right? And I'm just I'm a little bit upset about it. And she was like, Jordan, it's not your birthday till next week. And I was like, <laughs> right, well, this week's the test. So... <laughs> this is my way of reminding you yeah exactly and i'm just warning you this is the mood i'll be in if you do forget <laughs> okay so yeah dates are not my strong suit
1: it's a funny thing isn't it i wonder if it's a guy thing um because i uh, marianne's birthdays i'm i hope i'm getting this right <sighs> Marianne, he doesn't know 12th, 12th <laughs> of april um 12th of april but for years i kept saying thinking it was the, the 14th um, and I could never remember which it was. It was either the twelfth or the fourteenth of April. Yeah, it's the
0: yeah. twelfth. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, um, Melissa in, is in February, and um, and yeah, I, I remember if I get if I just get a gift at the start of February, then I can just like, is it today? No, okay, I'll put it back. You know. <laughs> so so that's how i do things <laughs> that's how i make sure that i'm uh that i'm always in the clear you know nice um, nice yeah good yeah, strategy to, yeah exactly <laughs> so it's to uh to a happy marriage <laughs> um i know it's february because it's early in the year and we had we were when we were living in italy we had a like a snowstorm uh in february and funnily enough um taking uh uh taking things back to what we were talking about with like um being a dick to siri um we went up uh we lived in a town with a castle in it um and we had this snowstorm and melissa and i went up and we had the snowball fight in this ruined castle uh and about a week later i was playing the Witcher, and i got to the point where you have the snowball fight with siri um and it was like oh, oh we did that and, you know <laughs> And um, I remember you telling me, I think it was the, the, the last time, it's like, yeah, that's where it all goes wrong. If you don't like you know, if you don't have that snowball fight with Syria, if you're like, nah, come on, be a grown-up, don't like, you know, none of that, then that, that's where the story starts going wrong for uh Yeah, I don't know if that's true, but that that's I think that's
1: just my feeling about it. It would make sense, you know, if you if you balls that up. Then your relationship with Siri starts to kind of go downhill, um, and you probably only have to make a couple more mistakes with Siri, and then you get the bad ending.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, we were talking about. Oh, I've got a question for you, actually. Um, with with regards uh, the the story, is I was absolutely gutted um, when Vesemir got taken out. I don't know, how, like, how do you feel about that?
1: I know, I know. Well, you know, he had a good run.
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah, to be fair.
1: <laughs> you know, spoilers here of everybody, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, well, it's it's sad, but you know, he kind of goes out with a a bang, yeah, as it were. Yeah. Um, but it is sad. it's it's kind of one of those things as well, you know, a story's no good if people you care about don't end up being harmed in some way. <laughs> you know well, you well, know I what I mean? Sure. It's like if if every if every hero's life is perfect, mm. then there's nothing to be heroic about. There's nothing to to I think that if someone like Vesemir didn't die, the story wouldn't feel as uh it wouldn't have the same impact because it's it's that kind of sacrifice you know it's it's that it's that that loss that that we relate to yeah um you know we go oh man so someone so died that sucks you know and then and then we can relate to how the other characters who who were left behind feel about that loss
0: Makes it more human, yeah, it does. Um, and I mean, I, I, like, I, it wasn't a surprise. It was, you know, it was still impactful, but it was kind of like, you know, uh, I get it. Like, I get, I get why this happened. Um, yeah,
1: it's kind of like um, in. Uh, I can't remember w- what the title was. You know, the 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 Marvel Universe. Um, the one, the one uh, with uh, what's is it. It's not Ultron, it's the dude with the with the gems and all, all oh. that. You know, the, the, big, the big war. Thanos. The big, the big fight. Oh. Who? Thanos. Thanos. Yeah. And the, the big fight at the end where Ooh. people, you know, half the people in the world were were just disappeared. And mm. then they all come back for the final, for, you know, the final big fight and stuff. But somebody dies. Somebody important dies, you know? And yeah. the ending of that film uh, wouldn't be quite the same if everybody survived it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no I suppose it's what we talked about earlier with um, with a fight scene where you have to have threat, you know? Mm. Uh, and that threat isn't isn't real. I mean, it's like the 80s movies, the 80s action movies, right? Like, I love, don't get me wrong, I love 80s action movies. And, but but the fighting in them is just like even if it's you know you've got Rocky 1 where like it's kind of like a boxing match and then by the time Rocky 4 is like you know we're watching Rocky 4 every punch would kill a man um, you know and it's that and, and then you've got like things like um, uh, Commando and uh, the Rambo movies where they're just gunning hundreds of people down and then at no point do they take any sort of physical harm like maybe a bullet will like zip past them and and then they'll just tear off a a piece of their shirt and wrap it around and then they're (laughs) fine and then they can carry on um you know it's like i don't need stitches i don't need to worry about infection or anything like that you know and then you you get the sort of more um the the more modern stuff like we talked about john work earlier and things like taken where people are getting beaten up man they're like they're really getting beaten up um and it's i I suppose it's the same when you have like an ensemble um you have to take a punch and i guess you know i guess vesemir is that punch in order for it to Mm. feel real you know Mm. so yeah i get what you're saying um but i was still gutted (laughs) I think that I think the video game series are becoming more impactful in that way because they have more staying power, you know. Um, yeah, well, they 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 have the technology
1: to tell bigger stories, tell more impactful stories. You know, I mean, that was one of the reasons that The Witcher was so uh i mean it 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 changed video game uh playing or or took it up a notch um something but i mean you you can see it in in games afterwards you know and, and a lot of a lot of games are fantastic i mean god of god of war for example is a fantastic game um but it's not quite as open world as the witcher is but it's but you still have this fantastic story that's being told. Um, but then you have other games like Red Dead Redemption 2, um, you know, this massive open world. Um, and, you know, you, you as the character can just wander around in it and, and basically make your own story in some ways. Um, I don't know what I'm saying. I guess it's it's it's, you know, as technology advances what video games can do in terms of storytelling also advances. I mean, the video games industry hasn't even scratched the surface of what VR is capable of. Yeah. Um, and AI is coming up now, artificial intelligence. And, uh, you know, there, there are companies out there who are, um, They're developing artificial intelligence in such a way that uh, this one company that contacted me um, about various things, uh, they want to provide NPCs and video games that have, that, that basically have lives. Um, and they can answer questions, you know, you know how, and, and now you, you go up to an an NPC in a game and, you know, you might say, Hey, how you doing? Whatever. And then you, you're, you're given a list of questions that you can ask mm. Well, what these companies developing the AI want to do is they want to create NPCs where you could ask a multitude of questions. You could ask them about things happening elsewhere in the game. Yeah. Uh, or you know uh, other stuff so instead of having three questions you can ask you can have 300 and you could ask a question that perhaps the 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 npc isn't actually equipped to answer but the ai will be able to answer the question anyways and not not necessarily knowing the answer but you know by saying i don't know where to go to get donuts in wuhan province <laughs> anyways it's interesting you know there, there's so many so many technological advances coming and, and already happening actually that are going to impact the way that, that uh, stories are told in video games it's going to be fascinating
0: i think it's going to be like i think it is fascinating i think it's going to be terrifying though because you're going to get people who you know um like some of the cgi in in games now is like it's it, you know, it's so real. Um I was watching uh Love Death and Robots a Netflix series, and um you know I was looking at like the, the, the graphics and the you, you know all of this sort of stuff, and I'm like, man, that's that's so good. Videos will get to that point and then they'll go beyond that. And the problem is like you'll be you know, you put a headset on and you'll see stuff that looks real, and then you'll take it off and you're like, wait you know did I take it off (laughs) yeah um and yeah like I remember uh I was I think I think I went through a breakup or something and I spent way way too long playing a video game um this is this is going back years and years now but like uh I think I spent maybe like something like 47 hours playing a video game And then I was like, Oh, I'm all out of food. I better go get some. And I stepped out, uh, I stepped outside and I'm like looking around for my mini map, you know? (laughs) uh, Yeah. So I don't know what, like, I've got a nephew who's, uh, small. I don't know how old he is. He's, he's younger than me. Um, that's, that's all I know. He's like six or something. Um, (laughs) And yeah, like for for his birthday, he's like, yeah, one well, Minecraft, and you know, he's playing Minecraft on a on a Nintendo Switch, and I'm like, I wouldn't even know how to turn that thing on when I was a kid. <laughs> so yeah, like I don't know where technology is, like uh, you know, I think it's a good thing, but I think it's like, uh, no, 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 terrifying.
1: <laughs> there's um there's the, a a novel series, um. Tad Williams is the author and it's called Otherland Mm. and it's a fantastic book series. So anybody who loves their, their sci-fi books, um, uh, fantastic series, Otherland by Tad Tad Williams. Um, And um, it's all about virtual reality, basically. I don't remember exactly when he wrote those. Uh, I read them like 20 years ago. Um, But, these people you know they basically games have developed and the internet has developed into this place where you can you you can basically the things that happen to you in game in other land happen to you in real life um and this all emerges very slowly and stuff and, and it's there's a whole a very complicated story uh, behind it all, but it's just fascinating. You know, 20, over 20 years ago, Tad Williams was writing about technology that we're only just starting to really see emerging.
0: Uh, yeah. But
1: I suppose it's like Star Trek and stuff like that, you know, you know the, these things that we can imagine, and I suppose this is one of those philosophical things, you know, things that were only things that we could imagine. 50 years ago have happened or are happening or are about to happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it makes you kind of wonder what if if that's, if things that we could only imagine 50 years ago are happening now, then what about the things that we're imagining now?
0: Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: Uh, <laughs> if, if I can imagine that through sheer force of will and specific thought i could actually uh um alter something about my physical shape if i can imagine that then is it possible do you know what i mean it, yeah. like, it, it, you sure i'm going with that I'm sorry I'm, I'm getting all weird and philosophical <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now but if, if the human mind can imagine something then it must be something that is possible given the right circumstances
0: yeah I think some of the stuff that you have in, like you know, technology that you have, sort of in, like Avatar, um, and you know, uh, that sort of thing, where they sort of transfer minds between bodies mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. Like I I recently passed my um, passed my driving test, and um, the 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 fella who was uh, teaching me, he was uh, like he, he was an elderly chap. And um, you know he he was talking about his like post World War II childhood to me and, mm-hmm. and stuff, and then like in the same breath he'd say, "Oh, electric cars—they'll never take on, like they'll they'll one never be a thing, right?" And I'm like, "They are a thing." And also, like <laughs> you're talking about your post World War II, like you literally booked this lesson over the internet on your phone. And yet, you're talking about the fact that, like, when you were a kid, you didn't even have a toilet in your house, you know? Um, like, really, this? Like, but that's where you draw the line. Electric cars? You're like, nah, that'll never, that'll never take off. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, whenever anybody talks about like how technology is going to go, like VR, like even VR, like I, I grew up. Um, you know, I had a Sega Mega Drive and I had a PlayStation 1. I remember being blown away by the PlayStation 1. I was like, holy shit, it's in 3D. I'd like, i called people up. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, why, like, you know, um, why not? I, I think that's probably the way we're going. It's just that how, because I, how would you even be able to maintain your sense of reality then? You know, like mm. if, you, if you can change your physical appearance or your shape or like whatever, like we, I, we, I, you know, um, we identify as us, don't we? Like, you know, I, I mean, as much as we say, oh, I look weird on that YouTube video or, uh, or or man, that's my voice. Ah, Jesus. You know, that like that is still us. And like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> What is this
1: rabbit hole we've gone down, George? Yeah,
0: well, exactly. This is your fault. <laughs> you took us down. I, I, like, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I think like VR is is going to be the next thing that we that we have to like explore. I'd be I'd be surprised if they didn't re like you know how they do the the remastered version. Mm-hmm. Of, of stuff i'd be surprised if they didn't do like remastered versions of the witcher in vr because like the the witcher world in vr would be amazing and like a lot of like you know red dead redemption um again those those kind of worlds they're so vast if you i think they've done like skyrim on vr which terrifies me right because i i played skyrim uh when it first came out i started playing skyrim and, uh, you know, I, I lost myself in that for a long, long time. And when I stopped playing, when I put the controller down and I had this really long Rip Van Winkle beard, and I'm like, you know, I look at the news and I'm like, oh, there's a there's a black president and Michael Jackson's dead. And, you know, I don't like a lot of stuff has happened during the time I played this game. I think the VR thing is like, like I said, it's, I think it's good, but I, I don't know. I think I'll lose myself to it. I think uh, yeah,
1: I I I mean it's going to happen. It's going to happen, and eventually, I, I mean they already have these. I've I've seen somewhere uh, the technology where you put on a haptic suit, um, like like a uh, kind of like the, the the suits that they wear for for doing motion capture, but the suits have um some some kind of technology in them that uh, allows them to heat up or cool down and uh stimulate uh areas of the body and stuff like that um so that you can actually to some extent experience what a character in a game is experiencing um so that's all coming you know it it won't be it, it it'll be I don't know, five or 10 years, maybe. And then, you know, there'll, there'll be games where you can actually suit up, you know, just like you can, you can go into a, a VR gaming facility. Now you, you put on the headset and you have the controllers and you play a virtual reality game and stuff <laughs> where you actually put on a suit and, you know, you play call of duty and you can feel the gunshots, you know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of thing. Or, you know, uh, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, know, it's, it's going to, yeah. you know, when we were recording, uh, well, before we started recording Witcher Three, actually, I was talking with one of the guys at CD Projekt Red, uh, Boris, and he was asking me questions. He said, "How, Doug, just in your in your mind, in your imagination, how immersive do you think a game can actually be?" And we were having this whole conversation. I don't remember the details of it, but, but um, CD Projekt at that time was trying to think. How can we make this game, um, you know, as immersive as possible? And make 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 it as immersive an experience as possible. Um, and I think that's that's what a lot of entertainment strives to do. It strives to to give us an experience that we feel we're part of. So it's going to happen. VR is going to, you know, going to give us a whole different experience and not too long
0: yeah yeah i have had a little bit of a go at it it's actually quite funny we had we had one um that we were messing around with and a friend of mine maria um i don't know why like um she's she's one of the people who plays the video games so she can do you know so she can do the menial tasks um so right. she plays things like red dead redemption it, 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 she's like well i'm gonna groom the horses and i'm gonna do all this sort of stuff <laughs> and so we had um we had a uh one of the vr games was like office manager or like you know um I th- like i think there was another one which was like uh sh- um like chef or something and it's literally you're just working in a kitchen in this tiny yeah. kitchen and uh um, yeah having the time of her life and i'm like you could just get a job as a chef <laughs> like, <laughs> you know do what you love and everything but uh... yeah it's funny isn't it
1: <laughs> Yeah, we do yeah. things in games that we i mean would we really want to do it in real life though like you know there are people who wouldn't go fishing in real life ever but in red Dead Redemption. They love to just hang out and take Arthur Morgan fishing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those like the the mini games, that the smaller parts take over. Because um, uh, I, I read somewhere this tweet, I think, and it was quite funny, which was um, that the Witcher series uh, one, two, and three was just a beta for Gwent. So, because <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it kind of, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of people who were just like, yeah, I'm doing this so oh, man well gwent is so popular
1: yeah um yeah it's, i mean it's just it's it's gone gangbusters
0: yeah yeah i i actually looked at like um i was like oh you know like melissa and i like to travel you know we uh we go you know uh go around a lot uh often take the train and so we'll sit opposite each other and we'll play different uh, different card games and i was like I'll, uh, I'll have a look at getting a copy of Gwen and I was like I saw the price and I'm like no because <laughs> it's uh, I'll, uh I'll, I think I'll uh I think that I'll 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 leave that one for a little bit. <laughs> you can play Gwen on your phone now.
1: <clears throat> you oh. can play it for free. Yeah you can play it for free up to a certain point I think oh, that's, that's dangerous. You shouldn't have told me <laughs> Oh, okay. It's so funny. I I I um, <laughs> I was interviewed a few years back uh, by a, a gaming journalist, and um, when the article came out, it was it was pretty pretty good article actually. It was kind of quite an eventful evening, um, and um, but I was quoted as saying um, that I that I hate Gwent, uh, and I got this this uh, message from. Uh, guy at CD Project, uh, Rafal, and um, he was one of the people who kind of created Gwent. <laughs> and he said, What do you mean you hate Gwent? That's my baby. And I said, oh, I didn't, I've been quoted out of context it's a little bit, Raf. Sorry. Because um, what we were talking about was, you know, the guy, the journalist asked me, Well, you know, do you have do you have played Gwent? I said, yeah, yeah, played Gwent. Yeah, played quite a bit of Gwent. Um, I, I hate Gwent. And um, uh, he said, "Well, you know why? Because I, I always lose. I just can't seem to get my head around how to play the thing. You know, it's it, and it's not hard, uh, but I just I always lose at Gwent. I, I've never won. Um, so, but uh, yeah, yeah, one, one of those moments when journalism just ju- just doesn't quite
0: yeah give the more context
1: and then you know bends somebody's nose out of shape.
0: Yeah." <laughs> I I think some of the uh, some of the stuff that I I see on Instagram really makes me laugh, where it's like, you know, there's a line, it'll be, you know, uh, uh, a character from The Witcher 3 going, you know, uh, will you help me save my daughter from the monsters? And then there's like, yes, no, fancy a game of Gwent? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's quite good. I, I actually didn't I didn't play it the first time uh, through because I was like, ah, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get sort of sucked into this when I want to kind of with the main story. And then the second time I played it because I, I played um, New Game Plus, and uh, I just, I just kept getting the like, I just kept getting beaten at it. So I was like, I guess I'm not doing this either, which is a shame because there are like missions which are all about, Gwent, You know. Yeah. I, I never got to play them because I just get my, I just kept getting my ass kicked by, uh, by everyone. So I was like, I'll oh, forget this. So I'm, I'm in the same boat as you.
1: Yeah, that was exactly what it was for me because it, it, you know, in Witcher three, you you have to play, at, uh, at one round of Gwent. You kind of get sucked. You know, you get the storyline forces you to to try it out. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. Um. I lost of course but i thought okay cool you know and then, and then i tried it a few more times and i every single time i lost and i was just and, I, and then i was just like no i you know i got other things to do in this world i gotta go save siri you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> the on this one like, but uh, yeah yeah um this has been absolutely fantastic i wish i could uh, talk to you some more but i've, I've, I've got a sort of bounce which i'm i'm gutted about actually but um I I really appreciate uh, being able to sit down and chat with
1: you. Um, Yeah, well, likewise, likewise, it's been, uh, God, it's been a long time, over a year, year and a half now, I think, since, uh, since the last Dragon Days.
0: I know, yeah, because you were planning to come back, weren't you?
1: I was, yeah, and then, um, yeah, I was planning to come back last October or November, something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah i thought the last one i went to um I, I, it was it was quite funny because there was a guy on the table next to you and they'd obviously play like you know and, and this i'm not like throwing shade on the organizers or or, or whatever because th- to be honest I'm not i'm not entirely certain what this this guy's thought process was because he had been in one episode of doctor who and like I think his shoulder was in the same shot as David Tennant at one point. And he had that picture up on the wall and he was and, next to you. And you're there telling like anecdotes about the Witcher and you, you know, you're doing the Geralt voice and, and this and that. And so there's this huge crowd around your table. And then there's this this guy sort of like sort of staring daggers at you. And I don't think you noticed. I didn't know.
1: <laughs> like, it's funny. These conventions are really, really, really funny ones. I was at another one. Sorry, I, I, I know you've got to go, and I, I, oh, no. I should be getting on as well. But I was at this other one, uh, similar size as Dragon Days. And uh, the guy next to me, he uh, He was young Anakin in Star Wars. So, oh. You know, in, in uh, The Phantom Menace or something like that. You know, one of those ones. It's one of the ones where, no, was he a young Anakin? no i think he was he was one of the young jedi kids who gets killed by anakin <laughs> that's what it was
0: yeah that's a little bit different
1: yeah so he was but but he he was like 20, 22 23 24 i don't know you know he was in his 20s and this is a a, a role that he did when he was like 5 6 years old yeah. and he was there but because it's star wars you know, people people want you know wanted to talk to him and stuff, and 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 um, it's, it's fascinating this whole fandom thing. You know, people go nuts for things. Yeah. And I can kind of understand it, but i've I've never been I've never been one to to get that excited about certain things. You know, I, you know, there 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 are people in the Star Wars world. You know, the the second general from the left goes to the conventions. Yeah, you know it's like it's, and, and people people get their
0: autograph and it's just like wow yeah amazing yeah yeah it, it i know what you mean there's um there is a level you know um there's there's a line that uh that, and 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 again i'm, I'm very briefly you, you know you've talked about this yourself um where it's like there's you you know you don't get recognized in the street and you like that and I, I think I think that is the best of both worlds of of being able to have you know have these roles um and then not you know not be running for a plane late for a plane and somebody going oh my god you're Doug Cockle you know sign my face kind of thing and you're like hey I've got I've really got to <laughs> Yeah,
1: there is, there's definitely a benefit there. Thank you again so much for this, buddy. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, well, thank you. It's been nice to have it have a chat.
0: If you'd like to find out more about historical European martial arts, visit www.academyofsteel.com or you can send us over a message at info at or you can find us on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook and on TikTok.